from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert, and he remained in the desert for 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel of the Lord. Each year we begin this first Sunday of Lent with the temptation of Jesus from one of the three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And as we begin our own annual 40-day journey through the desert of Lent, we hear about Jesus's 40-day experience in the desert. But as the Gospel of Mark tends to do, his, this account is very brief in his version. It just says this, At once the Spirit drove him out in the desert, and he remained in the desert for 40 days, tempted by Satan. So there's not a lot of details, but you can probably recall the other two Gospels, uh, Matthew and Mark, I'm sorry, Matthew and Luke, uh, provide some more details. Maybe, can you remember some of the ways that Jesus was tempted by Satan? Can you remember those, some of those ways? What's that? Rock turned into bread, good. To throw himself down to see if the angels would catch him or not. Worship him, and he'd have all, the, have all the world, all the treasures of the world. Excellent. So we know that you know, we hear this short account of it in, in Mark, but we know there's more to it, right? We know what happened through the other Gospels that we've read before. And that these three ways that Jesus was tempted, he was tempted with bodily pleasure, food, turned stone into bread. Uh, he was tempted with glory. Um, do an amazing feat. Throw yourself off the temple and see what happens. See if you survive, if you get caught by the angels. And he was tempted with power, uh, material wealth. You can have all this stuff. You can have all the kingdoms of the world if you would just worship me. And these are, we could say, maybe the three basic categories that each of us human beings can struggle with in our own battle with temptation, our own battle for holiness. And it can be a struggle to have faith that God is with us 
and is taking care of us in all three. These, these, these three categories can be replacements for God. Like, if I, if I have these three things, then, I'm, then I'll be okay. Uh, we can be tempted to think that we need more of these things in this world to take care of our body and our spirit and our ego. But the three pillars of Lent are antidotes to these temptations. And we learned about those, we, uh, we were reminded of those three pillars uh, at Mass on Ash Wednesday. You may remember what those three pillars are. Almsgiving, fasting, and prayer. Excellent. So you guys are doing all three of those things, right? Already we have a plan for how our Lent is going to address all three of those, those pillars. Uh, prayer is an antidote to a desire for glory because prayer draws us out of ourselves when it's rightly ordered prayer, I should say about I say that first. When it's prayer directed to God, it draws us out of ourselves and out of our egos and helps us better relate to God. Fasting is an antidote to bodily pleasure because it helps us focus less on the food that our, our body does need food, right? We do need to eat food, but it helps us focus less on the food that our body needs and allows us to become more aware of the nourishment that our spirit needs. Then almsgiving is an antidote to power and material wealth because almsgiving helps us to let it go, right? Let go of the attachments that we have to things and then it gives us room, room to grow in things that grow rich in things that matter to God. Now, those three pillars, um, we also know that Lent is also marked by other things, things that we hear in, in the gospel, things that we hear in the hymns that we sing during Lent. Uh, Lent is marked by things like denying myself, taking up my cross, uh, repentance, conversion, following Jesus more closely. So it's fitting that our Marian virtue of the month for February is constant self-denial. And we're going through these, these 10 virtues, these 10 principal virtues of Mary, and what a great overlap we have, that February happens to be constant self-denial, and we're also beginning our Lenten journey, which is a journey of self-denial. Now, in comparison to constant self-denial, Perhaps, I don't want to put any feelings on anyone here, but perhaps the other virtues we've had so far are more attractive. Perhaps, right? Perhaps they are. Um, we might be more, more easily attracted to the ones that we've gone through thus far, the other five. Anybody remember any of those? I know that was hard to remember that far back, but what are some of those virtues? Can we recall? Heroic patience, purity, surpassing purity, heavenly wisdom, angelic kindness, and ardent love. When I hear those, I think, yes, that's, that's what I want to be like, right? I want to be those things. And we feel maybe inspired or motivated to seek those things. Constant self-denial. Is that really a virtue, right? Is that, what makes that a virtue? Um, is it something worth striving for like these others? And why would we want to imitate Mary in this way? Well, another word for constant self-denial is mortification. Am I making it sound more attractive with that word? <laughs> Probably not. Mortification. It's related to the Latin word for, anybody know what that Latin word? Death. Death, right. Is that a virtue? Oh my goodness. Mortification. It means things like dying to self or denying oneself certain pleasures. Now the purpose is not our own death, 
it's, it's life that we're seeking, right? The purpose is to cause the death of sins or sinful attractions or desires that might dwell in us. And so with mortification, we deny ourselves things that we take pleasure in so that, it's for a purpose, so that we may master our sinful inclinations. And the reason we want to imitate Mary in mortification or constant self-denial is contained not in the first reading itself, but in what led up to the first reading. The first reading, we hear God speaking to Noah after the flood. But you're probably familiar with the circumstances that led up to the flood. And these circumstances are a warning for us. And they're explained, and if we go a few, flip a few chapters back in Genesis, we hear this. When the Lord saw how great the wickedness of human beings was on earth, and how every desire that their heart conceived was always nothing but evil, the Lord regretted making human beings on the earth, and his heart was grieved. Left to ourselves, I think we can read through scriptures and see evidence for that, and we could just look around and see evidence for that. Left to ourselves, we humans can get it pretty wrong. Sacred scriptures witnesses to that all the way back to the beginning when our first parents, Adam and Eve, turned away from God. We call that original sin. We cannot always trust our own desires or impulses to be pure or virtuous or in accordance with God's will. Mary, however, shows us another way with the virtue of constant self-denial. Self-denial turns us away from self and towards God. Thus, by practicing constant self-denial, Mary gave full reign for God to work in the entirety of her life. By turning herself always to God and less to self, she gave God full reign to work in the entirety of her life. And this is the reason why we would want to imitate Mary in the virtue of constant self-denial, to give full reign for God to work in the entirety of our life. Doesn't that sound good, right? That sounds something like we want, that's attractive. Giving God full reign in our entirety of our life. And furthermore, the virtues are all interrelated. I've preached about this before. They build upon one another, they, 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 they overlap, they weave in and out. And mortification or self-denial not only helps us control our passions, but it also purifies and expands our hearts and makes them capable of loving others and sacrificing ourselves for the sake of another. Without mortifying the senses to develop self-control, it's difficult to grow in the other virtues. So self-denial helps us to grow in self-control so that we can grow in all the virtues. So the first five virtues of the month, we've, we've gone through those thus far this year, which we might find more attractive, they are made more possible by the virtue of constant self-denial. Now, although it's not a holy day of obligation, many of you were at Ash Wednesday Mass, which is good, uh, this past week. It's the first day of this holy season, and after Christmas and Easter, it's, it's one of the most highly attended liturgies throughout the year. Now, why? You know, reasons why for that? You know, the ashes are pretty cool, right? I know that's true, right? So that's a big attraction. 
That people come for that. I know that's true. But there's something, there's something about the day that meets a need in us. There's something there. We recognize that we have a need for repentance and a need for purification, a need for turning our hearts back more and more to God. And the numbers in the pews on that day are evidence that this resonates with every human heart. The readings on Ash Wednesday are beautifully chosen to give us a framework for Lent. I mentioned the three pillars. Um, I encourage you also to take a look at the readings throughout the rest of the week, the days after Ash Wednesday, so Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You can find the readings on the United States uh, Bishops Conference website or many other sources. But those readings for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday this week, we continue to hear about Lenten things, right? The need for repentance, fasting, self-denial. But as we meditate on these readings, we see that these things, these are not, these are not things really to be avoided or to be taken up grudgingly. And we see if we meditate on these readings and look at where they're taking us, that it's not, it is a penitential season, but it's not a, a sorrowful or negative season. It's a season of joy, really. Or maybe we could say more precisely, it's a season that prepares for and leads to joy. It's the season and the practices of self-denial that go along with it that clear out the things that bring sorrow, that clear out the things that separate us from God and one another, and that lead us to resurrection and new life that come at Easter. Our Lenten practices teach us that there is no other way to true and lasting joy, and the virtues we gain in Lent are to be practiced always including constant self-denial. St. Leo the Great wrote that Lenten fasts are what Christians should be doing at all times, but it's just in this season we do them with greater care and devotion because it helps us practice. It teaches us for the whole year. Even though we aren't maybe always initially joyful or looking forward to giving something up or that Lenten practice of self-denial, there is something in us that I say feels relief when Lent comes around, that feels like this is an opportunity, uh, that can recognize there is freedom, joy, and new life on the horizon when we take up these practices. The church teaches us with this holy season of Lent that the way to new life and the joy of Easter comes through the facing, facing the reality of our attachments and attractions to sin and evil. One commentator says this, those people, that's us, those people who wish to draw near to God and to achieve the conversion that will turn them to the Lord must first be aware of the world's and their own corruption and to face the reality of the world's sinfulness. At the same time, however, we always emphasize what the Lord has done and is still doing in order to eliminate evil. For our purposes today, and in this year of praying for growth in the virtues of Mary, we emphasize that one of the best things the Lord has done to help us in eliminating evil is to give us our Blessed Mother, to give us Mary. First and foremost, because the Savior, our Savior, came to us through her, but also because 
she always remains an intercessor for us and tenderly helps us to be aware of the reality of things. We can ask for Mary's help. We can ask her to help us. Help us to recognize where we might be lacking self-control. Help us to recognize that part of myself that reaches for a snack even when I'm not hungry, or that part of myself that scrolls through my cell phone or the television without a purpose and without caution for what I'm taking in and consuming. That part of myself that reacts impatiently to an irritating or frustrating situation. That part of myself that can't wait to talk about or listen to or read about what someone else did or said. That part of myself that thinks I know better than others and I'm going to tell them all about it. These are examples of ways that we might be lacking self-control and not experiencing the fullness of joy and life that God wants to give us. And that might be preventing not only our own growth in virtue and holiness, but also preventing us from praying for blessing and helping others grow in virtue and holiness. The Lord has given us Mary to help us face the reality of these things. She teaches us through her example of constant self-denial, but also because of her constant self-denial, she's never looking to satisfy her own desires or benefit herself. She's always looking out for us, her beloved children. She's always praying for us, interceding for us, encouraging us, and pointing us to her son, pointing us to what we truly desire, the love, peace, joy, and eternal life that the world cannot give us, that only Jesus can give us. I'll close with this, a little writing from C.S. Lewis, the great Christian author from last century. He put it this way regarding self-denial. He wrote, We are told to deny ourselves and to take up our crosses in order that we may follow Christ. But if we have the notion that to desire our good and hope for enjoyment is a bad thing, this notion is not part of the Christian faith. It would seem that our Lord finds us, finds our desire not too strong, but finds our desire too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, and we focus on our desire for worldly pleasures, pleasures when infinite joy is what's offered to us. It seems we are too easily pleased and satisfied by worldly desires. It would seem, therefore, that constant self-denial is not meant to deny us what we desire, but rather to help us to see more clearly and to strive more fervently for our truest, deepest, and purest desire, which goes beyond anything this world can give.